Welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast. Every day, we see a battle of hate versus kindness. Bullies choose hate. But guess what, guys? Kindness always wins. Here at BBG, we dive into everything from overcoming bullies to building resiliency in ourselves. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb, and let's get to it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. Today, we have an amazing episode lined up with child advocate Chris McKenna. He's the founder of Protect Young Eyes, a platform used to educate families of all the apps and platforms that are advertised for kids but may not be safe. Um, He works tirelessly to make sure families are aware of all the apps and platforms that try to fool you into thinking they are safe. If you have kids with smartphones, this is going to be a must listen. Um, but first got to pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back and I'm so flipping excited for this episode we got here today. Um, as you guys all know, social media and technology, it's so scary right now for the little minds of our children. Um, it's growing ever more important for us to be up to date with what our children are facing. So I'm super excited to welcome our guest today, Chris McKenna. He is the founder of Protect Young Eyes, a website and advocacy organization that shows families how to create a safer digital environment. They're always updating their websites, giving free webinars and customizing talks for companies and just getting the best information out there for all you guys. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. Welcome to the show. Nathan, that was one of the most phenomenal introductions. I want to like chop that out of this and just play that whenever I walk into a room. I mean, that was right. right? That was awesome. Good job. I will always be your hype man, Chris, man. So first off, man, how the heck are you? Where are you coming at us from? So I I'm doing great. Uh, each day you wake up and take a breath. That's a good day. I am in Caledonia, which is on the Southeast side of Grand Rapids in Michigan. Whoa. Oh, it's cold. It's cold. It just turned cold. It just basically November just dropped onto the state like a crazy gray cloud. And we will not see sun again till probably March. That's just the way it is around here. (laughs) (laughs) We're like top 10 cloudiest state around. It's a horrible. (laughs) It's yeah. And just so much to go, oh my gosh, we're going to be stuck inside. It's going to be gray. We haven't had a winter yet with COVID-19. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? So y'all are just going to be the most cheerful state on earth. Oh my but, gosh. Right. <laughs> Man. So, okay. So tell us a little bit, give us the, for those who don't know what Protect Young Eyes is and all that and how it started, what's the story there? Like, how did you get in to Protect Young Eyes? So I was a full-time junior high youth pastor from 2009 to 2016. Um, That was after I left a 12-year career where I was in business advising with Ernst & Young. So Hmm. called me out of uh, the business world and said, I want you in full-time ministry. And not only do I want you to like leave the world of being a CPA, I want you to work with junior high kids. So that's a pretty radical change. Um, And if you think of that time span, 2009 to 2016, that is the rise of portable internet ready devices, smartphones and social media. And I'm starting to see kids bring more of it in, parents asking questions. Hey, Chris, what's this new thing called Instagram? If you can imagine a world (laughs) where Instagram was new. And so I literally, Nathan, all I did was I put together a little closed Facebook group when those were sort of an anomaly, right? I did that way back when, Mm -hmm. uh, like 2014, I think. I typed up a 
uh, document, which I turned into a PDF that was called the digital kids update or something like that. And like once a quarter, I updated this PDF document for what apps were new. What are the kids doing? So when Snapchat became a thing, here's this new app called Snapchat. And I just would periodically drop it into this closed Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, there was a, a girl here in the community who had been pursued horribly through Kick at the time. Kick was the app at that time, which had all the bad press. It was known for its predatory activity. And there's a young girl that bad things happened to here in the community. And so a large local news station did a segment, talked to a friend of mine who happened to work for the Department of Homeland Security. And he said, hey, you've got to talk to my friend, Chris, this youth pastor who's doing this stuff with social media. And so they did a story. It ran right after the Super Bowl in 2015 for five days. And that's when people were like, oh, we like what you're doing. Tell us more. And so that led to the creation of the website because updating a static PDF document got to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should build a website. So we did that and just started doing talks and doing more and more information. And now, you know, five years later have hundreds and hundreds of pages of content on our website, you know, app reviews, parental controls, trying to keep it up to date. It's difficult to keep it up to date. Um, in fact, yeah, I who I was emailing with today, who identified a couple of things that aren't up to date on the website, which we'll be fixing today. And so that's what we do. And before COVID, it was, Nathan, hundreds of talks. Like I had a presentation team of five of us. We did 350 talks last year all over the country and some internationally. And of course, the pandemic changed all of that. And we're pivoting to other ways. Like you said, you know, free online webinars and we're working on an app that's close and other things just to get into the homes of parents and caring adults, foster parents, grandparents, whoever, so that they can be making awesome digital decisions with their kids. We're not an anti-technology company, very nope. pro-technology, pro-tech, but let's protect all of us, whether you're 4, 14, or 40, from the parts of technology that just aren't good for us. I love that. I love that. Um, and yeah, guys, whoever's listening right now, None of us are anti-tech. We are anti-technology ruining your children's lives. Um, that's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It just felt like technology just kind of jumped on an opportunity. Like, like, like all, all adults' words. Um, <laughs> there's all the adults right now. And for like, I don't know, the past like 20 years, since I was even a kid, I feel like all the adults have this extreme pressure that they feel like that they need to have like 18 side hustles and leave their kids at home um, because of the pressure that they feel. And tech companies were like, hmm, we got like a billion kids at home unattended. Let's suck their attention. And so now we got like so many parents that are in denial who don't want to believe there's a problem. Because they're like, no, I did my job. I'm a good parent. This can't be happening. It's not going to happen to my kid. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. And then we got a other bunch of parents like you and me and like a bunch of others that are like, no, this, this is a big problem. Like, how on earth do we bridge that gap to bring awareness to those people that are kind of in denial? Well, we just have to keep telling this. It's like anything, Nathan. Nothing feels as real as it needs to feel until it shows up at your doorstep. We see that happening in human nature all the time, right? That there's some amount of 
numbness that you start to feel when somebody keeps saying things over and over again, tech is bad, tech is bad, tech is bad, like blah, blah, blah. But it's not until it shows up at your doorstep that you go, oh, that's what they were talking about. Now that my son or daughter is addicted to pornography, now that my son or daughter received mm -hmm. this inappropriate message, now that my son or daughter is exhibiting all kinds of emotional signs that I am concerned about because he or she doesn't seem well adapted and doesn't interact with friends and is emotionally distant and is constantly in his or her room just consuming hours and hours of social media and I don't recognize my child anymore, right? Those are the things that are the unfortunate too late wake up calls. Right. And so I simply, I want to be in a space that invites people in that casts a really wide net that says, Hey, listen, I'll yeah. say it, whether you are four, 14 or 40, your technology doesn't care about your life. It cares about your attention span. It cares about your engagement. It cares about if it has some monetization attached to it. It cares about showing you the next best thing in order to capture some of those resources that you have, but it does not care about the quality of your mental health or the quality of your relationships because the things it does care about almost always come at an expense to those two things, mm -hmm. right? In order to monetize me, you have to keep me engaged. That comes mm -hmm. at the expense of my time, the most precious you know, unreplaceable commodity that we have. Mm -hmm. If you want to polarize me with an algorithm that constantly feeds me my biases because of what I'm clicking on, you keep feeding me that. So that then takes advantage of my mental health and takes advantage of my emotions and gets me thinking certain ways, which may not be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And the same is then true of the third part, which the internet tends to do in that is exploit. So, right, it, it has exploitive tendencies, monetization tendencies, and exploitive tendencies. And that gets to our children, whereby kids are constantly finding themselves, both by parental decision and by applications that don't care about them, in digital playgrounds that are not safe for them. These are apps created by adults and for adults. Therefore, it exploits what is always an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex in children. You know these things because you live and breathe child development, right, Nathan? Yeah. You know that the brain develops back to front. So we put them in places that demand wisdom and discernment and forethought into how this is going to impact my life. And yet neurologically, they're not capable of judging this situation with wisdom and foresight and how is it going to impact my life. I would argue that that is definitely technology's fault. They need to carry some of that, but that is the parents' fault too for being mad at kids who are making bad decisions on Snapchat. They For don't chance against Snapchat. That's sometimes our fault. For real, 100%. Like, I, I, I kind of chuckle when I hear a parent that, that like, when they get mad at their kid for like, they looked at porn or something on Snapchat or Instagram. I'm like, they use the app for its intended, its intended purpose. Like that's what, that, that's what it was created for. So maybe we should reevaluate why they have the apps they have, um, or at least educate ourselves onto what those apps contain. Cause I mean, there's like next to no accountability for tech companies, for the platforms, for what, for what goes down on their platform. Right. And so it comes down to, you know, the parents being super vigilant so they can be educated. 
Um, and you guys, oh my gosh, you guys have been fighting so hard to protect kids from the horrible things. Um, you guys are real life heroes. Um, and if you guys have ever heard Chris, like I've watched a couple of your webinars, I've listened to a couple of stuff. His energy and passion is insane. Like, I don't know what you put in your fuel tank every day, but I would like like a little bit of it. Uh, <laughs> we run on some similar stuff, but man, holy crap. You guys need to listen to what he does. Um, so you've actually gotten down to the nitty gritty with the research on all the apps and the games and the platforms. I mean, there's hundreds of app reviews and different platforms over on your guys' website. What have you found to be consistent across these platforms produced by big tech? Like, like we talked about, they don't care about the kids. Like what has been consistent? Well, what's consistent is engagement is king. And mm -hmm. if our young people are going to learn how to use these applications well, it requires a consistent daily intentionality from parents to show them how to do that. Mm. There's no such thing as set it and forget it. There's no such thing as one talk. There's only persistent and consistent talks because again, neurologically, it is incredibly difficult. I don't want to use absolutes like impossible or never, but it is incredibly difficult for the very, we'll call it in process brains of tweens and teens to consistently make good choices inside of these applications mm. unless they are a super duper unusually special kind of kid right. or have super duper involved intentional coaching. I've been teaching you for five years how to use social media. I've talked to you about pornography since you were in kindergarten types of interactions with their parents so that when they're in those places and confronted with those interactions and have friends around them that are in those places and confronting them with those interactions. They have years of words and influence from their parents flowing through their brains and in their decision-making to go, you know what, man, for like the last seven years of my life, my mom and my dad have let me know that getting involved in looking at those types of pictures or making that kind of choice isn't good for me. And so I, on my own, am going to make a choice not to like, that's the promised land, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the spot we want to be in, but that does not happen. No, <laughs> easily, <laughs> easily. It, it's so hard to do. And so that's where it's on us as parents to start early and be more persistent and consistent than the whispers and the algorithms of YouTube and all the others. So, yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> what am I saying? I agree. Um, <laughs> says the guy who knows, no. Um, but something that I've noticed, um, like with what you're saying is like attention is all that they care about your attention and your money. And like, if you're not going to pay attention, to what they're doing, they're gonna suck all the attention and life out of your kids, um, especially if you, they have undrained like free access. Um, so I saw an article semi-recently that Apple made over a trillion dollars during the pandemic. Like it took them like 34 years to make their first trillion dollars or whatever. And then they made another trillion dollars in the space of like four months. Like guys, they care so much about money. <laughs> and so I laugh because I see so many apps like 
Snapchat was that way. TikTok was that way where they're rated for like young kids on the app store. It says like rated for 12 and up or like eight and up or stuff like that. How often, if ever, are those ratings actually like real and like actually reflect what they sell? So a couple of things in case people are going, holy cow, a trillion is a big number. It is. And so um, two years ago, it was Apple's market capitalization hit a trillion dollars. Okay. But it took them less than two years to get to 2 trillion. So they are now an organization with market cap of over $2 trillion, right? I think it's like, that's a two followed by 12 zeros or something ridiculous. So the pandemic has been very good to that organization. Back to the question about apps and app ratings. And so this was something, Nathan, that we started to dive into. I was just sending an email about it this morning back in December of 2018. So there are two primary channels through which we buy our applications, right? Google Play and the Apple App Store. And they have ratings processes, different ratings processes that are in each of those places that produce a lot of inconsistencies for parents. So that's difficult, right? If you're looking here or here and you're seeing, well, this is rated teen over here and this is rated 17 plus over here. Or in the Apple App Store, I see that Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, all of them are rated 12 plus, which is like barely seventh grade. But a law passed in 1999, the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act says they have to be at least 13 because that's quote unquote, supposedly the digital age of adulthood. Apple, what does that mean? And so there is just rampant inconsistency. There is a rampant lack of transparency in what the descriptors are in the app store. And so the reality is one of the main reasons Protect Young Eyes exists is to fix those problems. I wish our app reviews weren't necessary, Nathan. I wish that I could delete that whole section of our website if the app descriptions in both of those app stores were consistent, were accurate, and were accountable, I wouldn't be necessary. Right. So that's why we exist is to fill that gap between the little bit of generic inconsistent information. Twitter was rated four plus for a decade, even though rampant prostitution and pornography was all over that app. It took a long time for Twitter to have its rating changed. Now I could be wrong on that decade. We'll say years before it was changed to 17 plus, which it was is, rated for four year olds was rated for four plus in the app store. So the app store, we'll call it a rating suggestion, <laughs> please do your research. And that becomes problematic because some of the parental controls on iOS, for example, the screen time parental controls, you can set where you want the download age to be. I can say that I only want apps rated 12 plus and below. Well, if 12 plus means content that probably isn't appropriate for a 12 year old because of some inconsistent, inaccurate rating system, then it really undermines the accuracy of those parental controls, if that makes sense. Totally. Oh my goodness. Cause yeah, we got, I mean, I see ads all the time for like over-sexualized games, like episode and things like that. And they're rated, they're rated like super young and like, like, you know, if a parent sets like, oh, I'm good. I just set one and done. I set the parental control for 12 and up. We're going to be good. Yeah, your kids is going to get episode. By the way, guys, it's a pornographic game. Just stay away from that crap. Just going to put that out there. Um, 
but yeah, up until now, like what you're saying, like tech companies are not accountable for any of those inconsistencies and anything that happens on their platforms. But recently, you and your friends have been trying to change that. Tell us a little bit about the Earn It Act and how it is going to help protect kids. So back in July of 2019, I spoke in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee um, on a panel of five experts around protecting childhood innocence. The result of that were a few other hearings that have taken place, which has then created the Earn It Act, which is legislation that sits in both the Senate and the House currently. There are versions in both sides of Congress. And the Earn It Act does a, a couple of things. First and foremost, what it does is it tries to create a more accountable system for creators of online technologies when it comes to child sexual abuse material. Okay, what has commonly been referred to as child pornography, but the other thing that the Earn It Act does is it changes the definition to child sexual abuse material throughout the legal code, which is significant because it describes what it actually does. Child pornography describes what it is. Child sexual abuse material describes what it's doing to children, and that is significant. It's subtle, but it's significant in the world of those of us who care about preventing the exploitation of children. The other thing that it does is it creates a board of individuals who will have um, the ability to determine what certain best practices are that interactive computing companies need to have in place, right? This is not uncommon. I used to be in business consulting, as I said, with Ernst & Young. And so we all remember, if you're old enough to remember what happened with Enron and that fallout because there was a lack of internal controls related to financial reporting. Therefore, they submitted a bunch of fraudulent information as a publicly traded company. And so the Sarbanes-Oxley Act comes in and it tries to fix that with a system of internal controls that now organizations are accountable, et cetera, et cetera. I did that for a number of years. This is trying to create a set of standards whereby we go, okay, app creator, here are the standards that we believe can be used to best protect kids. Please put these in place, right? That's the other thing that this act does. And for those organizations that ignore these attempts at creating systems that in many cases, the technology already exists for identifying child sexual abuse material. It's just a matter of implementing them, actually caring, actually doing something about it. For example, Amazon who last year only reported like single digit number of child sexual abuse pieces of content on their systems. Apple really, or I mean, uh, Amazon really, the one who has buildings full of servers transacting billions and trillions of transactions with content every single day. You only contacted Nick Mick a couple of times, really. It would force organizations like that to actually do their job and to identify this content so that we can do something about it. And if they don't, then they're opening themselves up for liability. And that's the big deal because liability is the big equalizer in a free market, right? right. This is why on products where you walk them down the toy aisle, how many different sort of liability statements are on the simplest toys that you buy today, right? 
don't drop it and, or, you know, don't plug it in and then wash your hands or use it in the bathtub or all these different sort of caveats as to what not to do so you don't get hurt. We don't have any of that sort of liability protection for consumers when it comes to the filth that is being and the poison that is being fed our children. We can't go after any of them because they say, oh, it's just the content creator. Well, okay, yes, the content creator put it in YouTube, the content creator put it in Snapchat, put it in Instagram, but you built the box through which they have a conduit or where they have a home to put it. You are in charge of that box. Mm-hmm. And you need to be held accountable for the creation of that location. So those are the sorts of things that it does. Gotcha. So essentially, it's like, here's some bare minimum things you can do to make sure that kids are protected. Um, and if you do those, you're off the hook. You're good. As long as you do those, those, those basic safe practices. Because cor- correct me if I'm wrong, currently right now, there's another law in place. Oh, it's like the Internet Decency Act or something like that, where they have a golden ticket. They're like, well, we're not, we're not accountable for anything that happens. And so the Erna Act essentially just puts a little bit of standards there. <laughs> it's like simple best practices that you're still off the hook. Just do these best practices. That's going to help protect kids. That's exactly right. The Telecommun- Telecommunications Decency Act of there we go. Six, Section 230 is sort of the big thing that people are talking about right now because it is that golden ticket of immunity that all big tech has. So I'm a I'm a big fan of free speech. I'm a big fan of us having the ability to to express our opinions. The Earn It Act doesn't change any of that. The Earn It Act just simply says, like most other industries on earth, there are certain standards that we should have in place in order to not do great harm to human beings, especially children. That is what the Earn It Act aims to do. It is child protection. This is why in a place where partisanship is rampant, the Earn It <laughs> Act passed the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is both Republicans and Democrats unanimously, 22 to zero. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a question, guys. Nope. And so this is, this is good. And now we're working hard in this sort of interim period. Don't get me wrong. DC is still chaotic and it's <laughs> noisy. And so we're doing our best. And so for those listening to this, my recommendation, and maybe this can be in the the show notes to give them a real quick next action to take, because sometimes when it comes to legislation and regulation, it's easy to go, oh, I'm just a parent at home. What the heck can I do? Well, there's a lot that you can do. And there's one link that I'd like to have connected to this, and that is to Nicosi's website, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, which is a fabulous organization. And they make it so simple. It's literally putting your name, putting your zip code, and it connects you automatically to your representative, to your senators, so you can just fire off a letter to them automatically through their website. It's totally dummy proof. Gosh. Well, yeah, that's definitely going to be in the show notes. So click on that link as soon as you're done listening to this. Awesome. Because um, that's super important, guys. We can do so much to protect our kids. Um, and because we, the people, are the ones that make the difference. Um, now, naturally, I have quite a few listeners that are teachers and parents, people that are around kids. Um, what, are, like, what are just some of the simple best practices parents can utilize to protect their children, the things that are so simple that they didn't even know they had access to. Sure. Uh, number one is know your router. The router in a home is typically the most ignored but overworked digital device in the house. And I would argue that it is one of the most important digital devices in your house. 
because of the Chromebooks and the laptops and the iPads and your own smartphones and the PS4, now as of yesterday, PS5, and Xbox and all of the things that connect to the internet. It all connects at the router. So make sure your router, and the one that we recommend that I have in my own home here, we've tested uh, many of them, is the Griffin router. It has a sim super simple app that I can turn things off whenever I want. So know your router. Number two, talk openly about all of the awkward things that nobody talked to you about when you were growing up. And if you ask yourself, when's the right age to talk about this or that, come up with a number and then subtract two. And that's probably the right spot to begin the conversation. Make a list of all of the horrible things that you hope never happen to your children online, whether it's bullying or any kind of exploitation or sexual harm or whatever it might be. And then find a way to talk to all of your kids about all of those things in an age-appropriate way. Don't wait until you're ready or you'll never do it, okay? And then number three would be to stay connected to resources that can help you stay up to date because it changes so frequently. Do not carry the entire burden, teachers and parents, of trying to find all the information. Stay connected, whatever it might be. Protect Young Eyes is a great place to do that. Common Sense Media could be another place. There are places where we can help shoulder some of that burden in how to stay up to date. And then number four, I would say get help when necessary. Do not let parental pride get in the way of reaching out when you find yourself in a situation that makes you the least bit nervous as a parent, because it may be beyond what you can help with. And developmentally, there's so much going on in the life of a child that we can sweep in quickly, um, lovingly, tenderly, softly in situations like that and get them help quickly. And they oftentimes will recover because that same developmental plasticity that can often create neural pathways over time that we don't want that are hard to undo as adults, that same plasticity can work in our favor when they are experiencing something to undo some of those damages from that experience, to rewire some of those routes that neurologically they've developed, whether it's pornography or whatever it might be, to get them to the help um, that they need while they're still in that very formative developmental stage. So those are the four things. Know the router, have the talks, stay connected to trusted resources, and get help when necessary. Man, I love it. And on the note of staying connected to resources, where can people find you, man? Shameless plug time. <laughs> yeah, come to protectyoungeyes.com. And if you visit the website, within a little while, you'll get a pop-up which I know can be annoying. If you don't like them, get out of it. But if you don't mind, you can put your email address in there and you'll start to receive our regular tech updates. Like we do the research and we send it out. And so you can do that. That's probably the, the best and easiest way. Our social media platforms are pretty active too, both on Instagram and Facebook. That's another way. Um, if you prefer another way, you could simply pull out your phone and whatever you use to text, just put in the number 66866 and type the word protect and you'll automatically be able to add your name to our newsletter just through a text message. So website, social platforms, or text the word protect to the number 66866. Awesome. That, that um, awesome. And that, um, all that is going to be in the podcast episode description. So you guys can see how you guys can get in touch with protect young eyes so you can be connected to those resources 
Holy fetch. Thank you so much, dude. This has been such a golden episode. So many good things that parents need to hear. Um, a lot of people are like, well, why are you going diving down this route of social media? Like bullies be gone. I'm like the biggest bully on this planet is social media. Nothing has done more damage to the self-confidence and self-esteem of our children than social media. And parents, we need to be educated so that we can protect our kids from this bully. Um, thank you, everybody who's listening. Make sure to go follow Chris on Instagram, um, Protect Young Eyes. Um, um, and remember to go follow me for your daily dose of positivity, bulliesbe.gone. And remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. We'll see you on the next one.